When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary. Because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Live from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. The parties are divided in terms of the effect that the stimulus is going to have. This inflation debate has really been heating up the effect of what the Biden administration is spending on political capital. Bloomberg Sound On. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. A group of centrists are the key senators to watch. Joe Biden, his number one focus in addition to the COVID health crisis is jobs. I don't think we have red roads and blue roads, and that's the way we're looking at this. Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg Radio. Stimulus moves one step closer to President Biden's desk. Plus, how is the pandemic one year later impacting veterans? An exclusive interview with the Secretary of Veterans Affairs, Dennis McDonough, former chief of staff to former President Barack Obama. He's on the telephone line. And we check in with Senator Joni Ernst on how Biden administration's energy policies are reshaping the Republican Party. A lot to get through. My name is Kevin Cirilli. I am the chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio, accompanied none other than our Bloomberg politics contributor, Jeannie Sean Zeno of Iona College. We begin tonight with the big story. Biden backs narrower eligibility on checks to speed relief Bill, diving into the Bloomberg terminal, my colleagues Laura Litvin and Eric Wasson report President Joe Biden has agreed to moderate Democrats' demands to narrow eligibility for stimulus checks, but rejected a push to trim extra unemployment benefits as he tries to win support for his $1.9 trillion pandemic relief bill. Individuals earning more than $80,000 now won't qualify for the direct payments compared with a $100,000 cap in the previously drafted legislation. The ceiling for couples will now be $160,000. Previously was $200,000. Checks start at $1,400 before they begin phasing out. The likely procedural vote in the House of Representatives could come as early as this evening with a vote in the House expected tomorrow. Joining us on the line, the Secretary of Veterans Affairs, Dennis McDonough. He is the previous uh, chief of staff for former President Barack Obama. This is his first interview. Mr. Secretary, thank you for coming on this program. Uh, I put this question to Secretary Buttigieg the other week, and, and it's my first question for you. How important is this stimulus for underserved communities like veterans? Kevin, thanks so much for having me. It's really good to be with you. 
Look, it's really important for the Veterans Affairs Department for the following reason. We have $17 billion requested in that package. $14.5 billion of that uh, money will be dedicated to the provision of health services to our veterans. So that obviously includes uh, vaccination against COVID-19, but it also includes us being able to update dated facilities, you know, the average VA hospital is something like 59 years old. So things like better HVAC systems, zero uh, pressure rooms, things that you need when you're dealing with an infectious disease like COVID are really important. Lastly, last year we had something between 19 and 20 million delayed, changed, postponed uh, appointments for our veterans. That is to say doctor's appointments. So we are going to have a challenge in meeting deferred care costs unless Congress enacts the, uh, this important stat, uh, statute. So when they do, we'll be able to make sure that we take care of uh, the important costs associated with care for our vet. You know, I, I think this is a really important question, especially as we get so much positive news in terms of reopening, both from the scientists and uh, at the CDC Uh, with regards to vaccinations and the data on how many people have been vaccinated. Now, more Americans have been vaccinated than have actually been uh, than we've seen in terms of cases of COVID-19. But also on the economic front, as Goldman Sachs, for example, have revised their end of the year uh, economic indicators for more jobs being created at the end of the year as the reopenings continue. But specifically to the veterans community, especially those listening right now, who are perhaps apprehensive about getting vaccinated. Mr. Secretary, what would you tell them? Well, look, we've, we've vaccinated about a little over a million and a half veterans already. And the experience of those veterans, including those who President Biden saw get vaccinated today at the Washington, D.C. VA Medical Center, it has been overwhelmingly positive. That is to say, very few, if any, side effects uh, of uh, the vaccinations, and then obviously increased flexibility of the in their personal lives of the type that you suggest, Kevin, after the CDC guidelines today about what uh, vaccinated individuals can safely do. So we think that it's really important uh, that they get the vaccine. I think the experience to date has been very positive, um, and it's going to create new opportunities for us. I'll just say one additional thing about the uh, American Rescue Plan. We do have a lot of vets who have been forced into unemployment as a result of um, the pandemic. We have a lot of vets. uh, In fact, in this this bill will be a significant new investment in retraining and reskilling opportunities for vets who have been forced into unemployment. So this is a bill that uh, provides a lot of answers where, at the moment, some of our vets have a lot of questions. Mr. Secretary, this is... uh this is an uncomfortable question, but I, I think it's an important one, and it's one that I've been asking policymakers in both parties, and, and you just alluded to it, and I respect I have a lot of respect for that. A lot of these jobs that were uh, lost in the middle of the pandemic, unfortunately, might not come back, or if they do come back, it might take longer than people and families have to wait. You know, you've served uh, in... The National Security Council, you've served in government for in multiple, multiple capacities, including as the principal deputy national security advisor. 
as a part of this stimulus bill, how crucial is it that we're preparing for the post-pandemic economy to create new sectors and new opportunities for not just veterans, but all Americans? Well, look, I think that's a big that's a big push uh, that the president and the White House are making with a significant focus on learning lessons about um, what, uh, you know, um, frailty we had in our supply chains to make sure that uh, we can rely on our own capabilities uh, when it comes to critical questions uh, like chips for us going forward on big uh, questions of technology and the, uh, the challenge that we face with China. But here's what I think also, Kevin, which is that vets have proven themselves in some of the most demanding areas uh, in our economy or in the world. Mm. So, yeah, the, there's going to be new jobs and work will be, look different after the pandemic. But here's what I know about vets. They've proven themselves on the battlefield. They've proven themselves uh, with remarkable skills. And that ability to handle pressure, that ability to improvise uh, and to innovate is going to be required in any kind of uh, new job scenario that we find ourselves in post-pandemic. Secretary Dennis McDonough is with us of Veterans Affairs. Should we be encouraging the private sector, or how should we be encouraging the private sector to make sure that that they are, are, are seeing the totality of what an American veteran has to offer? Well, we're seeing we've seen good progress on that with some with many of our partners working uh, with us here in the, uh, from the private sector, uh, you know, working with places like uh, the American Chamber, with Walmart, uh, with many others to make sure that uh, they recognize the skills that vets bring uh, to the workplace. Uh, the other challenge is making sure that uh, we are really discerning about recognizing that the capacities that our vets develop on the job in the military should be given credit in the private sector. So when we're looking at uh, requirements for additional certifications uh, for uh, guys who have done things like be EMTs or medics uh, on the field of battle, those skills should be recognized uh, in states across the country as uh, deployable now in places that we need them. I didn't know this about you, Secretary McDonough, but you played safety on these, uh, Johnny's football team for Hall of Fame coach John Gagliardi. What's the best lesson that the coach taught you? Uh, the best lesson was that he called us all by, his, by our first names the first day we turned up. Uh, and, you know, if we called him coach, he would call us player. Uh, but if we <laughs> called him John, he'd call us by our first names, which was a recognition of uh, his uh, the fact that he saw each of his individual players as uh, individual contributors uh, to a to a broader effort, and so I'll for, I'll forever uh, remember the great respect he showed us and uh, his winning ways. You know, 483 wins that's a lot of them. That's awesome. And on International Women's Day, who is uh, a, a a female in your life that you've taken a business lesson from? Well, we're, we uh, announced in our message to our uh, uh, Women's Day message in our uh, Women's History Month message today that our new chief of staff, Tanya Bradshaw, will be joining us next week. Uh, Tanya is a 20-year Army veteran, uh, combat veteran from uh, 
you know, uh, a multi-generation met- uh, veteran family. Her grandpa and her dad, both uh, uh, Army vets. Uh, so she's going to be great in that job, and she's going to um, bring to it the kind of skill that she uh, developed over 20 years in the Army. Secretary Dennis McDonough, uh, very much appreciate your time, sir. Thank you uh, for, for coming on this program. And coming up, we speak with another combat veteran, Senator Joni Ernst. Remember, you can download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. And you can also find much more of my colleagues reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio. This is Bloomberg Radio. is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg Radio. My name is Kevin Cirilli. I am the Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio, accompanied by Bloomberg Politics contributor Jeannie Sean Zeno. Jeannie, I thought it was really interesting to hear Secretary McDonough, with all of his uh, national intelligence uh, uh, experience, raise the issue of supply chains and the semiconductor chips and the impact that that could have on manufacturing jobs in the United States as we emerge out of this pandemic. It was. I thought that as well. And it's interesting because he's the first non-vet to head that department. But he's Mm. also somebody who worked for the Merkel Foundation, which focuses on transforming the labor market. And so I thought the same thing. This is somebody that fits right in with, obviously, Joe Biden's wheelhouse, Mm. which is the focus on jobs and the economy. And he raised a really important point in that context. A lot of these veterans forced to unemployment because of the pandemic, that 14 billion plus or 17 billion you talked about at the top, critically important for health, but also transitioning and retraining them so they could move into a digital economy. Okay, let's stick with this conversation on the supply chain because we're joined by an emerging leader of the Democratic Party, Congresswoman Sarah Jacobs. She is a Democrat representing California California's 53rd Congressional District, San Diego. Uh, Her name is Congresswoman Sarah Jacobs. Uh, Congresswoman, thank you for joining us. Uh, I want to talk specifically about the supply supply chains and semiconductor chips as a part of this emerging recovery. Uh, You, of course, are a member of the Committee on Foreign Affairs, House Armed Services, and the Democratic Steering and Policy Committee. Uh, So how crucial is is that going to be uh, for manufacturing jobs to come back? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I think it's going to be incredibly important. You know, I represent San Diego, which is a big tech hub, and as you mentioned, sit on the Committee on Foreign Affairs. And as we're looking at our geopolitical uh, reality, as we're looking at potential competition with China, truthfully, the thing that's going to be the most important is making sure we remain competitive and make the domestic investments we need to, to be on the cutting edge of science and technology and high-tech manufacturing, to be able to compete on the world stage. So what what needs to be done from a policymaking standpoint President Biden signing those executive orders the other week, calling on a review, urging congressional leaders like yourself to develop bipartisan legislation. So what needs to be done from a policymaking standpoint? 
Well, first of all, I think we need to see the results of the review. I think it's important that we're making evidence-based and data-driven decisions as we're doing this. Uh, we know a big part of this will be making sure that we're investing in our higher education and training the workforce that we're going to need for the future and making sure that we're having Buy America provisions for our uh, defense procurement, for instance, um, and making sure that our tax code uh, is incentivizing innovation, incentivizing onshoring manufacturing. Um, there's a lot we'll have to do, but I'm confident that, you know, with President Biden's support, we'll be able to get it done in a bipartisan way. Go ahead, Jeannie. Representative Jacobs, happy International Women's Day. It's lovely to talk to you. This is Jeannie Zeno from New York. And I wanted to just ask you, as you and Kevin talk about these issues, it, do you think up next in terms of what the House takes on should be infrastructure, immigration? What are you thinking should be up next and how are you going to pay for it? Yeah, well, I'm very excited that we're going to pass the final version of the American Rescue Plan this week. I think it's exactly what we need. I was just back home in my district. It's exactly what my district needs to get, you know, vaccines into people's arms and kids back in school and people back in jobs and our small business is continuing. Uh, and I think next we'll be thinking about how we need to rebuild our economy. So I'm excited that we have some immigration bills we're going to be working on. I am uh, excited that we're looking at infrastructure in my opinion, as we look at the economic crisis we're facing, we know that it's impacted women predominantly and, and even more women of color. And so as we think about infrastructure, I think we also need to be thinking about the social infrastructure of our society and making sure we're investing in the care economy, in child care, in these kinds of jobs that are typically held by women and we know are really important to make sure that women can stay in the workforce. Congresswoman, I want to follow up uh, on that on that great question, and and especially as it relates to just making sure in this rebuilt economy that America balances those national security concerns. Uh, you represent San Diego, high tech jobs, uh, high tech manufacturing jobs in your district. Your uncle actually was the former CEO and chairman of Qualcomm. Uh, how do you balance the national security concerns? While also in a global economy, while also promoting uh, manufacturing domestic jobs. Well, I actually don't think there's a contradiction at all because, as I said, the most important thing we can do as we look at competing with a rising China is making sure that we're maintaining our domestic competitiveness, making sure our economy is continuing to grow, that we're continuing to be on the forefront of innovation and new technologies. That's what's really going to make sure that we win this geopolitical fight and maintain our leadership around the world. Happy International Women's Day. Biggest surprise about being a new member of Congress? Uh, well, besides the armed insurrection that happened on my fourth day. That's a big um, one. That's a that big a one. That's a big surprise. Uh, I'll say, um, you know, from the outside, I think Congress looks a certain way, but really all of my colleagues have been so welcoming and friendly and really looking out for us and just having that sense of camaraderie and, and really knowing my colleagues have my back has been a, a really nice surprise. Congresswoman Sarah Jacobs, Democrat from San Diego. Thank you so much, Congresswoman, for, for your time. Please come back on and update us, especially on these important supply chain issues. Coming up next, Senator Joni Ernst. I'm Kevin Cirilli. This is Bloomberg.
My Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. My name is Kevin Cerulli. I am the Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio, accompanied... By my colleague, Bloomberg Politics contributor Jeannie Shanzano. Jeannie, do I sound a little tired today? You don't sound tired to me, but I assume uh, that you've been very active this weekend. Well, well, I went home. It was my niece's uh, uh, baptism, and oh. I got to see my dad. You know, he gives the best advice. But I was actually up late, and I'm, I guess I'm a little insecure because I, I didn't want to sound tired because... I was watching that Meghan Markle interview. I should have guessed. I did I am watch obsessed. it as well. <laughs> I told Barada, the EP, I said, Barats, we got to do a whole show on it. She goes, Kev, I'm reining you in, buddy. I'm reining you in. Walk it back. Walk it back. But it was riveting. Did you watch it? I did. And then I, I ended up having to go to sleep earlier. So I watched the rest <laughs> of it today because I couldn't be left out. And, you know, so much of it. I guess what I'm waiting to see is, number one, do we find out who said that about the baby's skin color? And then does the palace respond? Um, I, at least as of today, I haven't heard they've responded. And it's playing in the UK today. First day of my life, I went on to Pierce Morgan's Twitter account, and I I watched his show. <laughs> I wanted to ask Pharaoh about it, but I digress. You know, maybe maybe tomorrow he'll give me the inside scoop. Riveting television, uh, just fascinating. Well, Oprah does it every time. <laughs> you got to give it to Oprah. <laughs> remember the Lance Armstrong interview? I remember oh, watching that years ago. And I, I, thought, yeah, I wow. can rewatch that now. She's 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 Oprah for yeah. a reason. Let's put it that way. Should but we talk about Kevin. inflation? Should we talk about inflation? Let's if, move on. If Back we to must. the Bluebird. <laughs> Um, Yellen says inflation problem unlikely to result from stimulus. How's that for a pivot? Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen dismissed fears that President Biden's $1.9 trillion pandemic relief bill is so big that it will cause an inflation problem. As she told MSNBC, I really don't think that's going to happen. Uh, And she went on to say that she thought inflation before the pandemic was too low rather than too Hi, uh, let's take a listen to sound on this from actually President Biden and President Biden, who visited the VA hospital earlier today. Uh, he continued to say that he believes the recovery is moving along uh, quickly, but you have to stay vigilant. Here he is. I learned from running the Recovery Act, you got to be hands on. You got to get down to the details because it really matters. And meanwhile, Jen Psaki at her White House press briefing was also asked about getting support for the legislation that passed in the Senate. Remember, that key vote expected back in the House tomorrow. Here's the sound on that. I would say we feel it's on a path uh, to passing uh, the House, uh, and certainly Speaker Pelosi has spoken to that, but uh, we are at the ready. Everybody's on call uh, whenever they're needed, and that certainly applies to the president. So it looks like it's smooth sailing. Jeannie Shanzano. 
It is. And, and we know this because now the president has scheduled, as you know, a primetime address on Thursday to tout. And it really is a historic achievement for the administration. One of the largest bills in history at $1.9 trillion. Massive. And remarkable to me that it is pretty much exactly what he promised when he was president-elect. And as you know better than I do, that seldom happens. So a huge achievement. And I think one of the big questions I have is what do they do going forward? As we just asked Gen Representative Jacobs, is it immigration infrastructure and can they do it without filibuster reform? Can they get 10 Republicans, you know, reconciliation? Uh, you know, maybe they're going to use that. We heard some Joe Manchin maybe expressing some support for that. But this is a historic achievement for the president. And he's going to be touting this on Thursday night. Well, and, and of course, there are just so many procedural steps ahead of that, including procedural steps this evening, a vote tomorrow. And and, and the question that I get uh, most about this bill is the stimulus check eligibility. So let's just go over that quickly. The stimulus checks start at $1,400, um, and individuals who earn more than $80,000 annually will not qualify. Previously, it was $100,000 in the previous draft. Now that is $80,000 annually. Those earning more than $80,000 annually will not qualify for the stimulus checks. And the ceiling for couples has been uh, now lowered to $160,000. In the previous draft, it was $200,000 for couples. You know, Jeannie, as we look at the post-stimulus Congress, I don't think it's too early to do that, but progressives are upset. I spoke with several of them on background over the weekend. They're upset. They feel that they are not getting the, the everything that they wanted in this version of the bill. As we're going to hear from Sen Senator Joni Ernst, a Republican, uh, Republicans are very upset about the energy executive orders from earlier in the administration. A lot of political capital that the Biden team used for this $1.9 trillion. They did. And a lot of progressives, and you hear this, you know, really frustrated with Joe Manchin, Kristen Sinema, and these moderate Democrats in the in the Senate that they feel rolled back some of what they wanted to achieve. I, I don't think that impacts the vote on Wednesday in the House. And I think Biden gets his bill. But I do think it raises big questions going forward. For instance, they want to get that minimum wage passed. How do you do that? When you had a bill as popular as this, six, you know, 60 to 70 percent of Americans support this bill, and yet not one Republican voted for it. I mean, that is quite remarkable. They didn't pull one over. I don't know how you then pull them over for things that aren't quite as popular. You know, tomorrow we're going to talk with uh, the junior senator from West Virginia, Senator Shelley Moore Capito. Uh, she's a Republican, uh, but no doubt West Virginia senators have a lot of political capital in these negotiations. All right, I'll, I'll ask you one question, Jeannie. How many people do you think tuned in to Oprah's interview with Meghan and Prince Harry? Gosh, that's such a good question. Okay, can I, should I say like 6 million? Is that really stupid? <laughs> no, know. it's 17.1 <gasps> million viewers tuned in. The to oh, CBS last night. That's so, amazing. Yeah. That's okay. I, 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 I'm sorry that I undersold Oprah. I should never do that. Well, I should six have said... million is about the average for the nightly news for all of the networks. I that's mean, so... what I was thinking. That's that's pretty good, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah so it's yeah. almost as much as listen to you daily, Kevin. Wow. I appreciate that. More <laughs> than you know, my friend. True. Coming up next, Senator Joni Ernst. I'm Kevin Cirilli with Jeannie Shanzano. This is Bloomberg Radio.
This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg Radio. My name is Kevin Cirilli. I am the Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio, along with Bloomberg Politics contributor Jeannie Shanzano. Earlier today, I spoke with Iowa Republican Senator Joni Ernst about International Women's Day and the impact that the pandemic has had on women leaving the workforce, along with other issues. Take a listen. Before COVID, women made up a majority of the U.S. workforce, but here we are one year later, and women have lost over 2 million jobs. And in January alone, we saw a really alarming statistic. Women lost 275,000 jobs in that month. Um, So there are many reasons for this, but I see two major factors. One is that mothers do tend to be the sole caregivers of the family, and with schools going remote and child care centers closing, uh, our working moms are staying at home. And of course, we have also seen, second, um, a number of women-owned businesses, which had been on the rise in recent years, have also really had a very, very rough go during this pandemic. So the impact of this is economic disruption. It's a problem today. But of course, for our women, it could spell potential catastrophe for their future as they look at future earnings. All right. We're awaiting on the ethanol front, of course, uh, the SCOTUS ruling. But uh, I want to ask you, should the USDA give biofuel producers aid? Yes, of course. I I do believe so, because so much of the consumption there is coming from um, those corn producers in the case of corn ethanol. Um, They are out there. They exist because of our agricultural infrastructure. Um, Many of these developments are owned by local farmers. They're basically owner-operators of these ethanol facilities. Um, But again, it, it goes back to providing a cleaner alternative alternative, a cleaner burning alternative to petroleum um, to make sure that, uh, you know, we keep the, the cars running safely on the roadway, but again, providing choice at the pump. So I think it's the right thing to do. Um, we are heavily tied to agriculture in the biofuels arena. So I do think it is appropriate to offer that assistance where and you warranted. Supported, you supported uh, Secretary Vilsack for uh, President Biden's Department uh, of Agriculture. Uh, as did the other senator of Iowa, uh, Senator Grassley. Uh, So are are you confident that he's going to be able to enforce against the Communist Party of China to make good on the purchases of agricultural products uh, that the previous administration had negotiated? Well, we certainly hope so, and we're going to be pushing him on that front. Um, There's a lot of policy issues that I might be in disagreement with Secretary Vilsack on, but certainly one thing I know is that he has had an open door for discussions in the past, and we hope that he will continue allowing that same level of transparency and communication uh, with other members as well, like members of the Iowa delegation. And, And so we'll continue to push him on that. He really needs to push back against the Communist Party of China, make sure that our trade does continue to flow, making sure our agricultural commodities can can get to the Chinese. Senator Ernst, just on the final topic here, there's been a lot of talk 
uh, in, during the President Biden's first 100 days about some overtures, quite frankly, that he's made to the ethanol industry uh, at a time in which, more broadly speaking, many in the Republican Party have spoken out against his energy policies uh, as it relates to the Keystone Pipeline. Uh, uh, just from your perspective, as a representative of a, a more rural state, how would you grade the Biden administration uh, in terms of the direction that they're taking the United States energy policies as a whole? Well, I can't assign a grade to it. What I can hope is that he will continue to push for biofuels because it is so important to the Midwest. And he's made that commitment now to move forward with that. And yet, on the on the other hand, we see him pushing executive actions, which would begin transitioning the federal government vehicles to all electric vehicles. And as we have more electric vehicles, that means less gasoline or diesel diesel power vehicles, which would eliminate the need for ethanol and biodiesel. So I, I think he's trying to have it both ways. And, you know, he just really needs to make sure he's doing the right thing. And what he promised, um, of course, during the campaign is that he would stand behind uh, biofuels. So we'll We'll push on that front. Um, but as far as additional energy policy, we've seen uh, Biden put the U.S. back into the Paris Climate Accord, and he unilaterally canceled the Keystone XL pipeline. And so this is destroying thousands of jobs during a pandemic when we need to make sure that we're supporting the American workers, supporting those American families. And so I think we see a bunch of radical policies kind of hanging in the horizon. And we just have to keep reinforcing that some of these decisions are not right for rural America. And I got one more question, and this is it. Mm -hmm. And I, I promised myself I would ask you this because you are part of an effort. I, I, for anyone who's ever visited Washington, D.C., the National Mall in Washington, just one of the yeah. most beautiful places to, to visit. And especially as things are starting to reopen again uh, and, and, you know, post-pandemic life becomes a reality, the mall might look a little bit different because of a project that you're involved in, Senator Ernst, uh, a bipartisan project to build a yeah. memorial on the National Mall to honor the troops who have served during the global war on terror. Just tell me a little mm -hmm. bit about that. Absolutely. A couple of years ago, I was part of an effort, spearheaded an effort to start uh, a foundation that would look into uh, a project putting a national, um, a national memorial on the mall for those that served in the global war on terror. And that foundation was passed into law. It was established. And then the next step for that is to determine a site or a location to erect a memorial, a national memorial. So we are going through that process right now. Senator Maggie Hassan of New Hampshire, a Democrat, she has just been a wonderful partner on so many of these fronts. Um, we are working together to try and establish establish a point where a memorial could be erected, but we need to recognize that this is the longest running war in our nation's history. Wow. And to honor the men and women that have served honorably all around our globe in the fight against terrorism is extremely important. So this is an effort I'm very proud to be leading on. It is a bipartisan effort and supported so many of our wonderful veterans organizations. 
that was my interview from earlier today with Senator Joni Ernst, a Republican of Iowa. Uh, I'm Kevin Cerulli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio. Jeannie Shanzano is with me as well, Bloomberg Politics contributor. You know, Jeannie, she is the first female combat veteran to serve in the United States Senate. I, I was really happy that you asked her about this memorial because I was just reading about this and it's really, she's been working on this a long time. As she mentioned, it's bipartisan with Senator Hassan of yeah. New Hampshire. And it is really, really important to recognize the work of, of so many of the people that she served with. Well, and and the National Mall, I mean, if, if folks have never been visited, uh, it, it, it starts from the Lincoln Memorial, uh, which looks out at uh, the Capitol. And of course, the Washington Monument uh, is in between there with the reflection pool and, and is truly just one of my personal favorite spots in Washington, D.C., uh, Jeannie. And and there, of course, is the World War II Memorial, uh, as well as the Korean War Memorial. And, and it's it's a really World War One Memorial. Uh, it really just a really beautiful, beautiful uh honor for for the country and to to have uh, the, the the longest running war as she mentioned uh to be on the national mall it's, it's beyond well deserved it absolutely is and i think you know i don't know when this is going to come to fruition but they've been working very hard on it and i also wanted to say that i think she made some really important statement there when you asked her about president biden when An she energy. said the president trying to have it both ways i exactly. think they're going to hold his feet to the fire on biofuels and just a remarkable reversal in terms of energy policy, no matter which side you agree with or which element you agree with, just in the span of two months from the different administrations. That, to me, as a reporter, has been probably one of the biggest differences between the previous administration and the Biden administration is on energy policy. Yeah, a bit of whiplash. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best way you I know can what? say it. We can keep up. You know? <laughs> we can. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can move pretty quick. You know what I'm saying? All right. Today, it, it's a, this month is Women's uh, History Month, and, uh, here, and today is International Women's History Day, and we are honoring women. And here with today's special installment is Bloomberg's Renita Young. Happy International Women's Day. On Today in Women's History in 2017, the fearless girl sculpture is revealed across from the Charging Bull statue on Wall Street. Kristen Visbal's sculpture depicted a young, defiant girl standing confidently. The sculpture was installed late the night before. It was placed there to draw attention to the lack of gender diversity and equality in the workplace, particularly in large, powerful institutions in New York City. The plaque under the sculpture reads, Know the power of women in leadership. She makes a difference. It was commissioned by State Street Global Advisors, who wanted to advertise an index fund that promotes gender-diverse companies with high percentages of female leadership. That's today in women's history. I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Radio. Coming up tomorrow, Senator Shelley Moore Capito, Republican of West Virginia. Uh, Jeannie, we had a, we covered a lot of ground today. Secretary McDonough, Senator Ernst, a lot of ground, Jeannie. A lot of great women on as well, inclu and then you including and Senator you. <laughs> Secretary McDonough. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. Including you. I'm Kevin Cerulli. This is Bloomberg. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. 
Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Roger that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.